0: Hey everyone, I'm Patrick Jones and welcome to episode 59 of That Gives Me Anxiety. Dry January, rolling on. First weekend, right? That feels like the first big test. Passed it with flying colors. Didn't even uh, didn't even feel like I wanted anything to drink. Which is nice. I mean, the, you know, the dry January experience is very different if you're like, yeah, I'm just not drinking versus like, get me. I, I wanted <laughs> just white knuckling it. I'd be a little nervous of doubts what was uh, going on with me there. But yeah, I had a great weekend. We got a ton of stuff done. Even had a. But, but we also found some time to get to brunch. Fantastic place. Opened up in uh, an old naval base here in Charleston. Uh, is converted into a park. And the city has started converting officer homes former homes of you know the navy bases officers into restaurants so it's just a nice riverfront restaurant here on the cooper river eating oysters drinking mocktails so it was nice to get a lot of stuff done in the house you feel accomplished accomplished then also have time to relax and eat some good food performed at theater 99 on friday and the owner of the theater, Brandy Sullivan, took some pictures of the group while we were up there performing and including one where you can see me making a move during the improv set. And then if you zoom in, you can see this one woman and I guess this other dude that was uh, just like seemingly very unhappy with whatever I was doing, which doesn't bug me at all. I mean, you know. What are you gonna do? I mean, I'm making it up on the spot Everyone else is smiling, but what I'm gonna make everyone happy but I'm making it up on the spot Nah, I make all these intros up on the spot, too (laughs) But yeah, if you go to my Instagram pat at Patrick underscore E underscore Jones, you can see that picture and yeah, it's pretty pretty funny Well, I've got a great episode lined up. It's the full interview I did with Professor Joseph Uzynski, who is a professor in conspiracy theories at the University of Miami. A lot of really interesting insight into his work and conspiracy theories and how they spread and how we can get people to drop them and step away from them, I guess. (laughs) As a quick aside, I've also been reading... This book called Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire by Kurt Anderson. Incredible. You know, if so if you're interested in this kind of stuff, give that a read. It's a it's a really interesting and uh thorough book. But yeah, I featured clips from the interview with Joseph Yuzinski. But yeah, this is it. This is the full full shebang. So yeah, really excited to bring it to you. But before we get to the professor, I just want to remind you, if you're liking the show, to please remember to rate and review it. You can check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, my new partnership with Pure Spectrum CBD. Uh, I've been taking their gummies in the morning, the 25 milligram CBD gummies. Delicious, and, and it's really been helpful with my back pain and the inflammation that causes that. And also just makes the mornings a little bit brighter. Right? So I I really can't recommend that enough. I've also been trying the Salve, 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 which is just way of like, it's kind of like an icy hot, but it's not icy hot. It just like smells really nice and helps soothe soothe your muscles. And I I use it on my back, my shoulders, and my legs after working out because I'm getting fat and I want to try to slow that down. (laughs) And I also wanted to... And then there's also the buy me a coffee link. It's just a way to make a donation, kind of like a tip if you're enjoying the show, uh, because that's really a a helpful way to help me keep making them. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the interview with the professor. Joining me now on the podcast, I have Professor Joseph Yuzinski, who's a professor of political science at the University of Miami. Joe, thank you so much
1: for coming on. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, very excited to talk to you because we're going to be digging into conspiracy theory. Well, that's my
1: favorite topic. Is it? <laughs> and probably the only reason why anyone talks to me, so... <laughs> oh,
0: no. That's a great uh, party trick to mention conspiracy theory.
1: People, I mean, people love the topic and it's very interesting But the funny thing is, when I first got into studying it about 15 years ago, it was a colleague who approached me about it and said, hey, I've got this idea, conspiracy theories, causes and consequences. And I said, no. I said, that's a stupid idea. Nobody cares about it. No one's studying it. No one's reporting on it. This isn't important to social science or to political science. And that was the right take at the time. Mm -hmm. nobody was really doing much work on it It was very much a fringe topic in Mm -hmm. academia and it took a few weeks of arm twisting I eventually succumbed and said yeah okay I'll do it and now it's a career but at that time it wasn't what it is today right right and that's important for people to consider and I'm not trying to make the case that that conspiracy theories are more believed or bigger or more important now but what i am saying is they're certainly more salient now and we're paying Mm -hmm. a lot more attention than we ever did in the past right and that's the same for politicians for political scientists and for journalists too right absolutely well what was what
0: was it that uh in terms of the arm twisting that got you to actually want to pursue it? Was there a particular conspiracy theory that you were interested in exploring more, or it was just something to give a shot?
1: I mean, it was well off the beaten path of American politics. Yeah. At the time I was studying mass media and how the public and media content sort of interact with each other. So this was well out of my zone Mm -hmm. of interest. In terms of what got me eventually to do it, probably beer <laughs> and and some, some <laughs> oh you know, man twisting like I said. But I mean, once I was into it, I was hooked. And yeah, I, and I was you know sold on it. And sort of interesting because doing work on you know mass media, I wasn't very much differentiated from anyone else in political science. But once I got into this, all of a sudden, I became a a much bigger fish
0: mm-hmm. um, even
1: if it was in a very very small pond yeah absolutely. but i will say since then the pond has gotten very very big at like the detriment of society as like
0: conspiracy theory takes off and we really do need to study it as much as possible
1: well that's the funny thing is i i make this joke that oh yeah it's uh you know when, when society is going downhill it's usually a boon for my career right now <laughs> um but 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 the truth is it's actually not that bad so Mm -hmm. i i it is the case that everyone's paying more attention but that's almost an optical illusion right so you know the news that i'll share with you today is probably both good and bad Mm -hmm. good in the sense that things aren't getting worse and bad in the sense that things were always sort of bad in this regard and we but we just weren't paying attention before now we're paying attention and maybe that's part of the good news too OK, so
0: you're saying that there were always these groups pushing conspiracy theory for one reason or another, or maybe even less intent based where they're talking about these conspiracy theories, but they were just kind of brushed aside. And now, given the the current like political climate, people are looking at these a, a bit more.
1: Yeah. So when people say this is the golden age of conspiracy theory, things mm-hmm. are worse now than they ever have been, I say. Worse than during the Red Scare? Mm. Worse than when we were drowning and crushing witches because we thought they were conspiring <laughs> with Satan? Good point. Worse than that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, that's the thing. When people pay too much attention to the news, they wind up coming away with the headlines, which are always shocking and very negative. right? Mm-hmm. And that's news incentives. It's, everything's got to be new and it's got to be bad. So mm-hmm. if you read through headlines, it's always bad news. So if you think everything's getting worse, well, that's partially because of what you're being exposed to, but things aren't getting worse on every score and things don't seem to be getting worse on this score, at least in terms of how many conspiracy theories or how many people believe individual conspiracy theories out in the public. If we want to make a different argument about we normally don't have a president who engages in conspiracy theories this much <laughs> as Trump did, then that's fine. That's sort of a new thing, and we can talk about that. But that's that's very different than saying the public has lost its marbles or something like
0: that. Well, that's encouraging for sure. Your your methods, you know, you you say that you study mass media. How does that? How are you studying mass media, and and how does that? How are you analyzing conspiracy theory?
1: So when I was studying mass media, I mean it was mostly through news transcripts, and then tracking what's getting reported mm-hmm. over time, and then comparing that to to the dynamics of public interest. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the things the public the public cared about at the time? My conspiracy theory work, when I first got into it, started out with content analysis of letters to the editor to the new york times because when i first got into the topic i started looking at it and i said to my co-author who had talked me into the topic i said there's no data out there i -hmm. said nobody's been gathering good data on this particularly in polling I said there have been polls taken, like on JFK, conspiracy theories, and a few things like that, but those are all sort of one-offs and Mm -hmm. there's not enough to really do much with, Mm -hmm. at least not in the way that would be generalizable. Right. So I had to sit down and think about it for a while, and I said, well, what's available to me that I could sort of go back in time and see what people were thinking about conspiracy theories? And if it wasn't polling data, it would have to be some sort of written expressions to go far enough back so i went to letters to the editor i mean obviously those have their own issues but if you don't have anything else you you know it's something yeah it was mick jagger says you can't get what you want but you can get what you need and Mm -hmm. i was able to get what i need out of it and we were able to track we were able to use those letters to the editor to see how often people were discussing any conspiracy theory Mm mm-hmm and then we were able to track, OK, in general, who's getting accused and when over the course of the 120 years we looked at from 1890 to 2010. And we were able to figure out that conspiracy theorizing sort of swung back and forth with national power
2: hmm.
1: so that when there was a Republican in the White House, it was Republicans and rich people and corporations getting accused of conspiring and when it was a democrat in the white house it was democrats communists and socialists being mm-hmm. the lightning rod for conspiracy theory accusations now mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that the that the poll numbers would be going up and down and that beliefs were changing but what that does mean is that the salience of particular ideas was going up and down so that conspiracy theories were sort of used to attack whoever was in power hmm so that conspiracy theories made more sense when the person you were accusing actually was in power rather than being out of power. Makes sense. And th- you know, and think about the last 30 years of our lifetime. When Clinton was in power, it was, he killed Vince Foster and Whitewater and this and that. And then when he left, those things became sort of moot. And mm-hmm. then it was George Bush blew up the Twin Towers and Halliburton and war for Oil and blah, blah, blah. And then when Obama came in, all of that stuff became moot. And Mm -hmm. then it became, oh, Obama faked his birth certificate. He blew up the Deepwater Horizon well. He's a secret Muslim and a communist and this and that and the other thing. And then that all sort of floated away. And then it was Trump's a Russian agent. So Mm -hmm. it all, what you tend to have over time is is that power seems to attract these sorts of accusations. Yeah. So that there's sort of a part of a balancing act. Mm-hmm. That if you're out of power in politics, I mean, politics ain't beanbag. So if you're out of power, you feel out of control. You're concerned about who has control of you because they're not one of you, they're someone else. Mm-hmm. Like that, it makes you uncomfortable. And you need to rebuild your coalition and get people together and put out a call both for help mm-hmm. and a call about danger. There's a threat. We need to balance against it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And that's that's sort of what conspiracy theories do in the domestic sense. It makes sense, right? I mean, what's a
0: better call to action for, let's go back to the 2016 election, than if people actually believe that Hillary Clinton was killing and eating children in the bottom of a, a pizza shop, you'd want to vote against that person, right? I understand how that could be used if people can adopt that mentality and and believe that
1: yeah and it wasn't just that. I mean that wasn't the only thing but I mean a lot of it was I mean for Trump it was the political establishment Mm -hmm. is corrupt it rigs everything if you only knew what was going on you would freak out and the swamp needs to be drained Mm -hmm. so they can serve as you know good a good motivating tactic Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I will say the caveat here is that conspiracy minded people, what I found was they tend to participate less. Right. Really? But that seems to be the case when no one's singing their tune. Mm -hmm. But once you get a Pied Piper to come in and start playing the tune that conspiracy theorists want to hear, they can be mobilized. Right. So think about it. Donald Trump was not chasing the same Republican constituency that Jeb Bush was. Right. I mean, Trump was able to mobilize people on his behalf in the 2016 primary because he was singing a different tune than all the other establishment politicians he was running against.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he offered something different, right? The same way that Sanders was able to do so well against very good establishment candidates like right. Hillary Clinton because he was singing the tune that no one else was. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who want to hear that tune. Mm-hmm. So but but anyway, since since then, I mean, those letters to the editor form the basis of my book, American Conspiracy Theories. And then since then, I I largely only do polling at this point where we're frequently polling the public about their beliefs and conspiracy theories. And we tend to poll over and over and over again to see are these beliefs going up or down? Are they, quote unquote, spreading as everyone seems to think they are? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And that's that's where most of my work has been concentrated lately very cool and well i feel like
0: polling itself has become a bit of a conspiracy theory or at least it's it's come under fire in in the regard that people have mentioned that polling didn't quite capture the appetite the american public had for let's say trump or different candidates as of late
1: yeah so that's sort of an interesting thing because the polls weren't really off in 2016.
0: Mm -hmm. right because
1: a lot of people look to polls not to see the numbers and say well I understand that this is the number and that there's a margin of error around both of these numbers
2: Mm -hmm.
1: they look to say well who's winning and all the polls said oh Hillary Clinton's winning but it's not the national vote it's Mm -hmm. not the national popular vote that determines who wins the presidential election it's Mm -hmm. the Electoral College which sort of perverts things a little bit right right Right? and and we understand why polls in some states were wrong because they had small samples there were certain biases in those polls that were going in particular directions so we understand it but in terms of uh, the national polling it wasn't really that off Mm. right and and but this is something that i deal with quite a bit because when i on conspiracy theories, I give people a number, and if they think it's too low, they say, oh, well, people are lying to you because they want to hide their conspiracy theory. They won't admit to believing it." And if I give a number that's high, they say, oh, well, people are lying to you because they just want to get a few chuckles by making up beliefs they don't really share, or they're just doing some partisan signaling. Um, they don't really believe this proposition. They just want to say it because it roots on their own team. Mm-hmm. And it, it and here's the interesting thing. I think all those forces are at play a little bit, but they kind of out you know, they kind of counteract each other on most polls. And generally the criticisms just come down to people just not liking the number I'm giving them which is right. people
0: tend to do that
1: i'm sure yeah, yeah and i and i find that a lot because like q anon makes a perfect example because everyone hears about oh QAnon is huge and it's taken over the country and it's as big as major religions if you read the headlines mm-hmm. it's the way i poll on it it's consistently five or six percent and it never got bigger oh wow and and that's not only my polls that's other polls so we've got multiple polls with different wordings sort of getting at this direct thing are you a believer in QAnon? are you a supporter of QAnon? and five or six percent oh, wow. throughout the last three years so never any increases hmm. and when that's i tell people, like, oh, everyone's lying they're covering up their their true beliefs i'm like hmm. come on you know these are people who storm the capital with face paint and horns yet somehow they get shy on an anonymous internet survey, yeah, and and then I get the same thing too. When you know, some beliefs I have are just really high, and they're like, "Well, they don't really believe that." I'm like, mm-hmm. "They probably do." Mm-hmm. So, can we talk?
0: I know you've got a lot on your plate. You've got work. You've got friends. You've got family. Pets. You've got the people that you make small talk with. At- The coffee shop or gym, you've got that bird that you see when you wake up every morning outside your window that you've projected things onto. Look at that bird, doesn't even love its family. It's always by itself. You do that, everyone does that. Point is, you've got a lot on your plate. Well, that's why there's Instacart, to take a little bit off your plate. Using Instacart, you search for all your favorite foods and things that you need from the grocery store, all online. All while you're looking at that bird, wondering why it hasn't called its mom. And they deliver it to you. They go to the store and do the shopping for you. And they can deliver it in as fast as an hour. And you can sign up by clicking the link in the description, wherever you're listening or watching. And that's a great way of supporting the show. So it's a great way of supporting this show. It's a great way to make your life a little bit easier. Because we all know that you have so much going on. Like wondering whether that bird judges you back. Well, you've mentioned people who want or, or or people who are open to conspiracy theory. Do we have a profile or an environment through which we know conspiracy theories can spread a little bit easier? What are the conditions, or is it just psychological?
1: So two things. I think there's been a lot of focus on conspiracy theories mm-hmm. lately. So all the discussions, oh, it's this theory or that theory, and this theory is dangerous, and this theory is going to spread everywhere. I think we need to take the focus off the theories. Okay, They, they are what they are, and they're interesting or not, but that's not really what's at issue here. No theory is dangerous mm-hmm. on its own. It's just an idea like any other idea. Mm -hmm. when we start thinking about a conspiracy theory being dangerous it's because it's been adopted by dangerous people okay right so i mean this this sort of reminds me of like what happened after 9 11. you know you had a lot of people saying well islam is a dangerous religion you know the people say Mm -hmm. well it's not the religion it's a small group of people who have perverted the teachings and of course would otherwise be peaceful and then fly planes in the buildings right this is the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the case that any conspiracy theory is just going to make somebody go and blow something up or stab someone or, mm-hmm. or reviews a vaccine or anything like that, mm-hmm. right? You have to have a lot of other ingredients involved to get somebody to actually act on an idea like that, right? So to wit, I mean, lots of conspiracy theories have millions of people who will say they believe them, but very few people are actually doing anything about it. Got it. Okay. Right. So you have to have this bag of ingredients there for people to act in a deleterious way on a particular mm-hmm. conspiracy theory. So it's not just believing an idea. It's you've got to be willing to act. And that's a, a set of other stuff. Right. Right. So oftentimes when you read these accounts in the news of so-and-so fell down the rabbit hole and they were radicalized online and then they wound up going and doing something dangerous or violent. Well what you have to do is read down to paragraph 17 where it tells you, Oh, the person had diagnosed psychopathologies, which were untreated and they were living in isolation due to the pandemic and they lost their job and this, that, and the other thing. So you have this whole bag of circumstances. That's probably more causal than the belief in this conspiracy theory.
2: Mm.
1: So what you wind up figuring out, it's the people that are potentially dangerous, not the idea. (laughs) So, so a lot of people are running around out there chasing their tail. Oh, it's the idea. It's the idea. And we got to stop the idea, just get it off the internet. And somehow the bad things won't happen. And that's just not the case. You could alleviate conspiracy theories and you you can even try to get people to stop believing conspiracy theories, but they're still the same people. Wow, still going to do the same things. And that's what nobody wants to admit. Because it's so much easier to say, Oh, my uncle was the victim of the algorithm. Mm. My uncle was tricked by online, he was radicalized online. No, your uncle was sort of a wackadoo, you just didn't want to talk to him or deal with it. But now we have a name for this thing. Mm -hmm. Now we're paying attention to it. And now you're seeing the things that your uncle's talking about. And you're trying to pawn it off onto some external force. Right. And take the blame off off of him.
0: Mm -hmm. So that makes me feel both (laughs) really secure and really insecure. It's it's nice to think of these ideas as not dangerous, right? Uh, They're just dangerous in the hands of a person. But also now you're also saying there are... People if it's not this, then it's something else that they're gonna chase, right? Like if it's not QAnon, it's Pizzagate. If it's not Pizzagate, it's it's on and on and on. You know, you invent your your conspiracy theory there. So that is deeply unsettling.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. But we know that that there are people out there, lots of them, with antisocial personalities, antisocial traits, conflictual personalities. People who are inclined towards violence, whether it's Mm -hmm. interpersonal or political, I'm not saying they will all act on it, but there are these inclinations out there.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, And by focusing on the conspiracy theories themselves, we're leaving the whole human side out of this. And we have to figure out the human part of it that has to be integrated into how we talk about conspiracy theories, right? Yeah. I mean twitter doesn't make up conspiracy theories facebook doesn't make up conspiracy theories people do people put them online or they share them other places right Mm -hmm. so this is a human phenomenon and if we're just focusing on the social media aspect of it or or just on the ideas somehow the ideas are themselves too dangerous then we're missing the whole human thing and and we really shouldn't do that yeah
0: man that's it's so interesting to not I mean, they, I've never once heard anyone on the news say a conspiracy theorist probably should be getting some mental health counseling for, for whatever. I mean, I guess that's an accusation that a news organization probably shouldn't be making. But that's such, I mean, it's such a fundamental shift in how I'm thinking of conspiracy theory by just considering that it's, it's the person and not an idea i mean i know i'm repeating myself here but that's just i I didn't it's such a shift that i'm experiencing right now i get
1: called by journalists all the time and they'll say oh my god there's this new conspiracy theory on twitter Mm -hmm. and i'm concerned about it because everyone's going to see it and it's going to spread everywhere and everyone's going to believe it and i say oh that sounds awful i say so did you see it and they say yeah and say so you must believe it now and they say (laughs) no and i say well what makes you so special What's your magic power that you have that the rest of us dupes don't have? Mm-hmm. And, and they start to figure it out, and that is that people believe what they want to believe. And we've known this about people forever, yeah. right? If conspiracy theories just spread everywhere to everyone, then every conspiracy theory I pulled on would be 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the obvious implication. Yeah. But they're not. <laughs> that mm-hmm. doesn't happen. So, it, it, and 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 interestingly, the highest numbers we've gotten on conspiracy theories were before the internet era.
0: Is it? I was going to ask not you. I, I, I'm very curious. What are some conspiracy
1: theories that have polled really high? So JFK is typically the highest poll. Okay. Right. So only a few weeks after the assassination in 1963, it was 55 zero. percent of Americans thought there was a conspiracy rather than a lone gunman Mm -hmm. that increased to 80 percent in the mid-70s oh my goodness stayed there for decades oh it's only come down to around 50 or so percent depending on how you ask the question in the last decade so that's the highest polling one I've ever seen yeah that's crazy high and I haven't seen anything close to it. So even the stuff with COVID and, and whatnot is, you know, nowhere near 80 and doesn't even get close to 50. Yeah. <laughs> so it's people are saying, oh, my God, this is now is the time. And it's all technology's fault. It's like, no, you don't need the technology for these to get popular. And it's not the case that these are more popular than they were before mm-hmm. the Internet era. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, and I also, I, I feel like I want to talk about how, uh, go back to how the idea isn't dangerous, because sometimes conspiracy theories are fun, right? Like, I've definitely read about alien encounters and and considered the possibility that something was right about it. They can be really interesting and, and really fun and completely harmless.
1: Sure. I mean, a lot of this comes down to how we define harm, Right. Like, I've been asked previously, like, which conspiracy theories are the most harmful and which ones are the most harmless? And I'm like, well, it depends how you define harm, because anyone can go out and act on any of those ideas in a way that gets people killed, right? Even the goofy stuff. You say, I think the government's hiding information about aliens, so I'm going to start killing people. Well, now it's dangerous, right? But again, it just comes down to who... Who's going to act like that? Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and who are the people that are attracted to an idea and what what sort of psychological baggage are they carrying with them? Right. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, there are entertaining ones out there and there are ones that are just sort of part of the fabric of our culture, like JFK or aliens or whatnot. And I, I think in a lot of ways, people don't quite understand how ingrained not just conspiracy theories, but other similarly dubious ideas are in our society, right, so like number one show ever on Animal Planet it was about the Navy conspiracy to kill mermaids. Really? people thought it was real, highest ratings on Animal Planet. The other big show on there, I think, was finding Bigfoot let the cat out of the bag they haven't found him yet, <laughs> but Animal Planet was about real animals they do best with fake animals right right? i mean there's there's shows running right now about vampires who are supposedly responsible for murders tons of shows about paranormal encounters and Mm -hmm. alien visitations and whatnot so it's all over the place yeah and conspiracy theories specifically are you know the backbone of many movies and tv shows and they're no stranger to reporting right i mean even the alien stuff got a ton of mainstream news coverage in the new york times the washington post last few years Mm -hmm. why because politicians in the government were paying attention to the stuff for whatever reason right i mean none of these claims are substantiated and all the videos of alien spaceship were easily debunked right but it got a lot of mainstream coverage yeah when people say oh these ideas are of the fringe when the New York Times publishes it over and over again,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's certainly not the fringe. That's about as uh, mainstream as it gets.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is people are like, "Oh, well, we got to do something about social media." Well, what about the New York Times? What are you going to do about them? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they they have no problem engaging in conspiracy theorizing when it suits their particular agenda.
0: Right, right. Do you have a conspiracy theory that that is a, a favorite or one that you
1: subscribe to? I mean, here's the so people ask me this. So my general line is everyone believes one, if not a few conspiracy theories. Yeah. And the the reason I say that is because there's an infinite number of conspiracy theories out there. If I was to do a poll where I asked 100 or 200 of them, everyone's going to buy into one, if not a few. Right. So when I when I put on a poll, 20 or 30 conspiracy theories, I get back 90, 95 percent of respondents believing at least one so imagine if i put 100 or 200 it's going to be everybody it's going yeah to one or so yeah everybody believes one or a few i think i might be the caveat to that which is i don't think i believe any anymore but it's not because i'm special in any way or have a magic power it's just i just don't believe anything anymore yeah <laughs> and part of us having just read the literature on this for 15 years and consider all these things it's just my thinking is now: if I'm going to believe something. It's got to reach a really high bar. Resources. Yeah, I, I need visual proof. <laughs> yeah, and it's not the case that I am cynical or or or, or believe that conspiracy theories are on their face false. Mm-hmm. Because I know I am very easygoing when it comes to conspiracy theorists. To me, it is could be true. Hasn't met the burden of proof for me, mm-hmm. and then. What I say to them is, but I'm not the one you have to convince of your conspiracy theory. You need to convince the relevant experts in that area who can judge it, right? Not me. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk to me about something, I can only talk about why people believe conspiracy theories. That's all I'm an expert in. I'm not going to catch the true JFK assassins with you. (laughs) And if you convince me that someone shot Kennedy other than Oswald, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because I'm not the one you got to convince right so but that's 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 where i peg my beliefs now is that Mm -hmm. you want to convince me of something go convince the relevant experts when a majority of them say yeah this is what happened then i'll probably buy in but until then at least i will say well what you say could be true
0: yeah there
1: you go one of life's
0: mysteries is that birthdays always find me unprepared catch me unprepared I don't go on Facebook as much, so I I don't notice them as much. But I want want to express my love and and appreciation for friends and family. That wasn't part of the copy. I'm just saying it. (laughs) Year after year. Month after month. Even when I see it coming, I'm not ready. Am I a jerk? Yes and no. (laughs) Why do things have to be so black and white for you? But I've got great news, friends. Introducing monthly card subscriptions from the Cardist Studio. Join the service that delivers the card and the stamp that you'll need to your door. No more errands. Uh, Who wants more errands? I don't know why, but I'm starting to think of errands as a kid's name. Errands go back to bed. (laughs) Okay, but here's how it works. You choose your categories. From birthdays and celebrations to love and encouragement. Or select their full collections and have those thank you notes and just because cards at the ready. Those ones are always so nice. Like when you get a card for doing something and it's just like a small little heads up or or token of appreciation. it, It genuinely makes you feel really good. And best of all, you would never get caught cardless again. Let me repeat. You'll never get caught cardless again. Try to say that a bunch of times in a row. You'll never get caught cardless again. Monthly card subscriptions from as little as $8 per month for the card and the stamp. Delivered to you. TheCardistStudio.com Shop Subscriptions. And you can use the promo code ANXIETYPOD for 15% off your originating order. I'm curious if you've done any research on people breaking from conspiracy theories, as in like leaving something that they may have felt passionate about and then kind of drifted away from the idea.
1: Not really.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's there's researchers that sort of work on opposite ends of this. And yeah. some of them try to deal with folks after they've adopted an idea. Mm-hmm. And they try to figure out what can we do to get them to change their mind Mm -hmm. can we change someone's belief in a conspiracy theory if we give them expert consensus or if we give them uh, more information um, Mm -hmm. or if we do something to them what can we do to get them to change their mind i don't work in that on that part of it Mm -hmm. i'm on the other end uh, which is what what can i do to get people to believe in conspiracy theories
0: What can people do to get to uh, what can you do to get people to believe in conspiracy theories
1: so the good news is just as the other side the bad news is it's tough to get people to stop believing it does happen but it's tough to do yeah you're not going to change somebody's mind on an idea that they care about when they have their heels dug in or it's important to them Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's not easy to convince somebody of conspiracy theories either it's very difficult right So there's this assumption out there that everyone's just a lemming and as soon as you get on youtube or twitter it's like oh whatever i see i'm going to believe immediately and that's just (laughs) not how people work we know we know this Mm -hmm. right and what i find in my experiments is that it's really difficult to convince people of things that they're not already disposed to believe okay right so if someone already doesn't see the world through a conspiratorial lens and they and if they don't already like the person you're accusing of conspiring, you're not going to be able to convince them of your pet theory. It's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. Right? So when I've tried to, you know, do experiments where some people are exposed to a conspiracy theory and other people aren't, it's only a tiny, tiny number of people I can get to adopt the conspiracy theory. Oh wow. I and mean, most people are like, you know, we're not we're not affected by it. right and, and 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 that's that's the important thing so when we go back and we study like what's the effect of social media use on the number of conspiracy theories people believe well it's absolutely true that people who use more social media believe more conspiracy theories but is that correlation actually causal and what we find is that Unless someone's already really, really into conspiracy theorizing, then they're not going to buy into whatever they're exposed to online, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't already have a conspiratorial worldview, you're not going to seek out conspiracy theories online, and you're not going to believe them when you do see them. Makes sense. Right. So it's the people who are already into it who are going to get what they want and they're seeking it out and they're going to believe in more theories. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because they're still the same person and they still have the same worldview and they have the same personality and they're probably going to act in a lot of the same ways.
0: And if it wasn't Twitter, there'd be a book or something, right? There'd be a play or, or something that they could watch. Yeah, too.
1: I mean, I'm always shocked when people are like but ideas travel farther and faster now and it's like that may be true to an extent but it doesn't mean that anyone's paying attention mm-hmm. right go start a website tomorrow how many people are going to be looking at it
0: i run an independently created podcast i understand what that's like building it yeah it's not <laughs>
1: like you put something online and all of a sudden a million people share it i mean right you gotta work at it case, and this is the same thing with facebook ads or anything online mm-hmm. it's you know people act like oh all these ads are targeting us and they're able to change our minds like no they're not Mm -hmm. if every ad could convince you to do what it wants you to do these ads would be infinitely priced it'd be the greatest marketing tool in the history of mankind but they're not (laughs) and we know they're not and and we're sort of playing into facebook's and twitter's hands by saying oh they're so influential because it just keeps the marketing dollars, the advertising dollars rolling in because people think they're getting a piece of this, and then advertisers start to realize, oh gosh, even with all these fancy, quote unquote, fancy marketing techniques, not everyone's buying my product. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your book. So I have a few. The first one was American conspiracy theories. I told you about the letters to the editor that we that we gathered for that. And mm-hmm. That was sort of a you know, years in the making. And then the next book is Conspiracy Theories and the People Who Believe Them, which was a edited collection. So I edited the book and it was essays from scholars from across different disciplines and across continents writing mm-hmm. about about the topic. And then my, my most recent book is Conspiracy Theories, A Primer, which is sort of a short, know everything you need to know about conspiracy theories in one fairly cheap and easy place to... Um, To get them conspiracy theories for dummies. (laughs) Yeah, so without too much jargon or or you know whatnot, and of course go into Amazon, check out the books. I always get a kick out of reading the reviews. So it's either people who five stars has told me everything I need to know, or one star, the author is in on the conspiracy. Yeah, from his job. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Oh my goodness. Well, is, is there anything you think I'm
0: missing related to conspiracy theory or, or your work that you'd like to mention?
1: So the big thing to me that we're often missing is that, you know, when we're focusing on conspiracy, we are often focusing on the theories. And then we're also tend to be focusing on regular people and saying people shouldn't be allowed to talk to each other on social media because they're going to say conspiracy theories and they'll spread everywhere. Mm -hmm. One, that's a terrible way to think about people. (laughs) It it, it plays into our worst impulses towards censorship Uh and elitism. Oh yeah. But the irony is that the biggest drivers of misinformation and conspiracy theories are elites are the political elites and our mainstream news outlets they have bigger audiences than some schmo on twitter mm-hmm. and for people who trust those outlets and trust those political elites they're going to adopt those ideas so when you have a president of the united states who has a coalition of people who trust him and listen to him and he's spewing conspiracy theories everywhere people are going to adopt those beliefs yeah right same thing when they they're in trusted news outlets like the New York Times or or whatever, whether it's that or Fox or MSNBC. So, if we want to clean up our information environment and have less conspiracy theories, then you don't need to start with regular folks on Twitter or Facebook. You don't need to censor your uncle <laughs> you <know? laughs> as much you as you want to. You need a plan in place to keep our leaders from engaging in this stuff Mm -hmm. and you know what's interesting is as much as many people saw trump's conspiracy theorizing as a problem i didn't see congress doing anything about it no they want to they want to censor what i can say Mm -hmm. on twitter and facebook how dare they but they couldn't act to deal with What was the biggest spreader of misinformation was trump and what do they do when their own members engage in conspiracy theorizing and misinformation crickets nothing right it's unacceptable and they want to censor what you and i can say online they want to decide what is true and false when it comes to what we say Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but never for themselves never for themselves and they're the real problem and that's what we have to come to grips with and I think one place to start would be for parties to have more control over who's allowed to run under their banner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't. Parties should say, if you don't have governing experience, if you don't have a track record, then we're not going to let you run under our name.
0: That's true. If, if you're so going to talk about Jewish so, space lasers, like yeah, Margie Taylor Greene. We're not on, on our ticket. Sorry. Right. Yeah.
1: Or if, if you have no governing experience, we're not, you can't run for president on our ticket. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. Same thing. Why was Marianne Williamson on the debate stage for the Democrats two years ago, talking about cosmic forces and whatnot, what is, so they need, our leaders need to tighten up the rhetoric coming from their own ranks. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Right. And, and this is the thing, everyone knows this when it comes to Congress, you have to have free and open debate. That's the point. Right. Right so for them to turn around and say well free and open debate for us but not for you mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't sound Come like on. democracy to me yeah and, and go pick up politifact go read through it how many how many things that are false have people of both parties said over the last few years tons and tons of things that are that aren't true yet they want to censor me
0: yeah well, it's, it feels so much more daunting to correct issues at the elite and, and mainstream news level, right? It, that's the concerning aspect is that there doesn't seem to be a, a, an easy fix. Even if you were to have like a big glaring sign on, on, a, on a news channel that said like opinion, as opposed to presenting fact, people, I think, would still be inclined to believe them because they... Perceive that person as, as one of them, right. And they want to believe that person and want to agree with them.
1: This is all part of being human, Mm -hmm. right? Is, is that at the end of the day, these efforts to control misinformation are really about controlling people's beliefs. Yeah. And that's really about controlling other people. Mm -hmm. So the intentions can start out good where we say, well, no, I don't want people drinking bleach because they think it will cure COVID. Yeah, fine. But those same tools that we want to use to prevent that can be picked up by someone with less good intentions, who right? Has authoritarian tendencies and wants to control others by controlling information, and that's uh, that's that's not a good thing. No. and 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 just to come back to this point. A lot of my colleagues work on trying to change people's beliefs to get them to not believe conspiracy theories. Well, if these techniques can be used to get people to believe true things, they can also be used to get people to believe false things. Of course. Yeah. And who do we want those tools to be in the hands of?
0: (sighs) i mean if it's in one person's hands now eventually it'll be in someone else's hands and so you have to create these tools knowing that they'll just eventually get into someone's hands who certainly wants to use them for bad
1: yeah and think about like senator amy klobuchar has proposed legislation where she wants it so that misinformation about health can be punished online so that the government could punish the social media platforms that that happen to carry it Mm -hmm. how does she define health misinformation well anything that the secretary of hhs says is misinformation Mm. that's great when it's a secretary of hhs that she likes but what happens when it's donald trump's secretary right do you want the trump administration deciding what's true and false health? information sure don't yeah he certainly you might or i might i mean i don't think either of us do but i'm sure she doesn't right she absolutely doesn't and that's sort of the point is people are are thinking like as long as the person i like is the one deciding what's true then everything will be fine but that's not how things go
0: yeah oh man absolutely well uh, i've really enjoyed this conversation where can people find you on on social media
1: so I am Twitter at Joe Uzynski and online, JoeUzynski.com. And you can just go to Amazon Uzinski to find my, find my books. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time and uh, we'll be in touch. You're very welcome. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Again, Fantasyland is another way. Some different ways of thinking about what the professor was talking about. All very interesting stuff. So yeah, thank you so much to the professor. Before I get to the weird thing that was causing me anxiety this week, I just want to remind you of my other podcast called Death Space Filling the Void. If you're liking the show and you want to make a donation or a tip, there's the buy me a coffee link in the description wherever you're listening, just a way to make a quick donation or tip. Pure Spectrum CBD, they're offering the promo code ANXIETYPOD, one word, for 15% off your orders. I personally use them and I'm a huge fan, so I definitely recommend from personal use. Instacart, if you wanna sign up for grocery delivery, you can do that in the description by doing it that way. You're telling Instacart that this show sent you, which helps support the show. And then there's the Cardis Studio, who is offering the promo code ANXIETYPOD for 15% off your initial order. They're running subscriptions now, so it's very cool. And uh, definitely recommend that you check that out. So the weird thing causing me anxiety this week, when I was at my parents' during Christmas, I brought back uh, my ice skates I played goalie in high school and college, and I brought back my goalie skates here. I I played beer league with, there's different kinds of skates. I I was going to go on a long tangent. I like talking about that stuff, but not important for the story. So I got these skates rusted big time. They've been sitting in my parents' shed for a long time. And so I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about ways I could like potentially get the rust removed and and tried a few things. Eventually I was able to do it, but the process was making me so anxious because I was like, it wasn't clear I was going to be able to get all the rust off to be able to use them again until like the very last minute, right? It was just like a lot of scrubbing and, and trying a a bunch of stuff. One of the things was I tried WD-40 barkeeper's best friend and scrubbed it with Brillo pads. And the other thing I did was leave it to soak in white vinegar overnight. That was crazy because when you'd come back, there was just, like, rust in the bottom of the bowl that it was in. It just, like, falls off. So if you have, like, a tool or something, that really might be a way of uh, taking care of that for you. Yeah, but I, I don't know if it was, like, the nostalgia of hating to see the skates that I had so much fun over the course of my life with. You know, using it six times a week for years and years, right? So uh, the, Or just hating to see it, like, in disarray. But, yeah, it was, it was making me a little... It was causing me a bunch of anxiety and thankfully I was able to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I still haven't really fully pinpointed why it was making me anxious, but it definitely was. Thankfully, I was able to solve it. Look at that. <laughs> but it, whenever I do get anxious, I do like to understand the undercurrent of like what's going on or, or try to analyze it. But it's difficult at times to to come up with the exact reason why So as always, thank you so, so much for listening. Have a great week. I'll talk to you on Thursday.